Theory. Finally, a podcast about the church for the church. Sit back and relax because you're now entering the reformed mental state. Hosted by the Chicano Knox. Coming from that gangster gospel perspective. Coming straight out of Geneva. Thank you so much for joining Bible Theory once again. Here we are in the underground studios coming live and direct. Um, I have a special guest with me once again, um, and I'm privileged to interview and bring on to the show R.C. Spro Jr., the son of R.C. Spro, the late, the great. So, um, R.C., Dr. R.C., thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be with you. So, you know, as the podcast continues to grow and, you know, gain ground and grow in, you know, recognition and all that stuff. Um, you know, this podcast is basically dedicated to the church, uh, about the church, ecclesiology. That's what we're going through. Um, and, you know, it's a very important topic, especially in our day and age, as people just forget the church. A lot of people are just abandoning the church. Um, a lot of people are just, uh, you know, uh, you know, just abandoning the faith, abandoning the church. Um, the church is nothing in secular society. As we've seen in COVID, people just said the church is not essential. So, um, you know, it, it's, I think it's imperative we, we just come back to the basics of ecclesiology. So, and I thought we could just talk about one of the basic things uh, that the Bible mentions and talks about, um, and many good theologians talk about, is um, church membership and the obligations that the members have to their church, to their local church as well. And I was thinking if we could just um, have you just break down, you know, the basic doctrine of church membership and maybe just um, break down um, Belgic Confession Article 28 for us. Absolutely. Well, I'd be happy to do so. I wanted to tell you that, uh, you know, I've had occasion over the years to uh, sit in uh, on some conversations, uh, sometimes in front of a live audience with uh, some pretty big uh, names and one of the common questions that would come up uh, in that kind of a context would be, you know, what do you think is the the biggest uh, weakness in our day among evangelicals? And it has it became increasingly my answer a radically low ecclesiology. Uh, I'm so excited to know that you are actively working on trying to shore this up for folks because it really is uh, a something that the church is very weak on and b very very important uh, i think it might be helpful too just to give a the broadest of backgrounds uh, on the belgian confession itself because i think it has a a, a very real uh, connection to this particular question that is the belgian confession uh, was written during uh, a time of uh, the Inquisition. That is the Roman Catholic authorities using uh, the power of the sword to uh, root out what they considered to be heretics. And the confession was written to actually appeal to the Roman authorities, Roman Catholic uh, government authorities, and say to them, look, this is where we are coming from we are coming from a position that embraces the history of the church. Yes, we have significant differences uh, with uh, Rome in our own day, but we're coming from a position that 
honors church history, recognizes that there is one church, and were also eager, they were very zealous to distinguish themselves from the Anabaptists of their day. And these Anabaptists uh, were the original low ecclesiology folks. Uh, they had a very, very low view of the church, a very low view of God's gifts in and through the church. And so the writers of the Belgian Confession are trying to, uh, in a sense, find a middle ground. They're not, they don't have such a high ecclesiology that they fall into that error that we might call clericalism. That is the idea that, uh, you know, it's the, the uh, priests in the church that actually uh, control the means of grace and uh, are the sort of God's distributors of his grace. That's uh, the error that Rome is making that manifests itself in the uh, uh, Inquisition or the view that, hey, anybody with their own convictions can go on their own, and think what they want to think, and nobody can say a word about it, which would be the Anabaptist view. So taking that perspective and then applying it to this question of church membership and specifically in article 28 the obligations of church members this is what the belgic confession says it says we believe that since this holy assembly and congregation is the gathering of those who are saved and there is no salvation apart from it people ought not to withdraw from it content to be by themselves regardless of their status or condition but all people are obliged to join and unite with it keeping the unity of the church by submitting to its instruction and discipline by bending their necks under the yoke of jesus christ and by serving to build up one another according to the gifts god has given them as members of each other in the same body and to preserve this unity more effectively it is the duty of all believers, according to God's word, to separate themselves from those who do not belong to the church in order to join this assembly wherever God has established it, even if civil authorities and royal decrees forbid and death and physical punishment result. And so all who withdraw from the church or do not join it act contrary to God's ordinance. Now, uh, I'm going to fault the Belgian Confession compared to, say, the Westminster Shorter Catechism for being not quite as succinct and uh, direct, but certainly it gets uh, credit for being uh, essentially for covering the waterfront on the issue. Uh, they're emphasizing the responsibility and the duty of church membership, defining church membership in light of service to the other members of the body, the coming and gathering together for worship, and also being under the discipline of the church, which I think is vital. That you know, um, you know, like you said, this this brings up a huge issue with evangelicals in a broader sense. Like you said, a lot of people just don't put these two together. Like, hey, I'm a part of something when I uh, call Jesus my Savior and Lord. Um, a lot of the times people like to privatize their faith. It's very individualistic, disconnected to church history, of course, and disconnected, you know, from a lot of different things. You know, a lot of the church um, people don't know their pastors. They don't know their elders. You know, they never 
visited their houses. It, it, it's like they don't even know. Um, you know, there's such a huge disconnection, you know, in, in a lot of these churches, not in every church, of course. You know, you, you don't find this as often, you know, with um, re- some reform circles. But like once you step out, once you step outside of the, the Shire, <laughs> it becomes <laughs> like, it's like, oh, you never met your pastor before. Well, that, that's that's very strange. <laughs> um, yes, you don't know who your is. deacon is. You don't know who your deacon is. That's very strange. You know what I mean? Um, well, and, and not not just strange. I would say, in agreement with the uh, Belgic, that it's sinful. And in fact, uh, you know, I I have a pretty simple way of trying to help people see that pretty quickly. But before I do uh, share that, let me just take a moment to uh, give you. Uh, well, to give the devil his due, so to speak, to, to, to confess with those who understand what church membership is and push against it. I would say the mass of evangelicals don't give it a thought, but there are some who sort of take a view that, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about church membership. The Bible doesn't say anything about church covenants, about making vows, and therefore I'm not going to do this. And you know, I, that's the what, what I'm more apt to hear in the world that I've lived in. Uh, one of the places it shows up, not surprisingly, is in the homeschooling world. Uh, I'm a homeschooling dad and have been my whole life and, and uh, deeply committed to it. But I can tell you that a, a group of people who take it upon themselves to say, we're not going to listen to our parents, we're not going to listen to the school board, and often we're not going to listen to the pastor uh, on how to do education uh, are going to be a people who are inclined uh, to being on their own, to being lone rangers. And uh, so you, you have this kind of problem there. So I want to confess, you're absolutely right. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to go through this class. You have to uh, take this certain set of vows or sign this particular covenant, et cetera. And one of the things that my father taught me is, look, when you have a disagreement, grant everything you can to the person you're disagreeing with and then show them they're wrong. So that's what I'm trying to do. So I'm saying, okay, there's no uh, given example like that in the Bible. But here's what we do find in the Bible. Uh, In my judgment, the go-to text. We find in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, or beginning in verse 17, uh, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. And then I asked the person who isn't a member of a church but claims to be a Christian, how is it possible to submit to this text right here in Scripture without knowing who your elders are and without your elders knowing who you are? I don't see how you can... Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I had this conversation many times before, and you know, this whole church thing, ecclesiology, has been boil, boiling in my mind for like five years. I can't like uh-huh. I, it's, it's one it's one of my favorite topics in theology now, um, and it's like it's it's meaningful because it kind of connects to society. It connects to like every everything within the fabric of family. You know what I mean? Yep. So like the church is a beautiful beautiful thing. And, and, and it comes from the, you know, from Christ. Christ is the head of the church. 
all that, you know, but I had this conversation. One of the persons was, was saying was like, you know what? I've, I, I already been discipled by so-and-so, you know what I mean? A long time ago. Um, uh, right. And I'm good to go. And, you know, there, there's no, you know, they keep going back to that statement. You know, there's no, no place where it says I need to join. I need to be right. a part of. And for me, well, it just is cringeworthy. It is. That's absolutely right. And again, that, that, that person who discipled you 20 years ago may have been a great blessing to you, um, but they're not going to give an account for your soul. They're, they're not the ones who know they're responsible for you. I've discipled people for decades who I have no authority over. And the, and the very strong likelihood is that if you find yourself in need of church discipline, uh, and someone that discipled you 20 years ago shows up and says, well, you need to uh, repent or you're not going to come to the Lord's table. They're going to say, who the heck are you? Who gave you this authority? And that, at the end of the day, is what's so frustrating about this is that the reality is even, again, people who might be theologically in general in agreement with us or even in terms of lifestyle they just don't want to submit to anyone in authority. They're, they're, they're going to claim I'm under Jesus and only Jesus to almost a ecclesiastical uh, version of the covenanter cry, no King, but King Jesus. And so, uh, but the reality is King Jesus says, I have appointed elders over you. You need to acknowledge them. And so, again, a, a very practical way that I deal with these folks is I'll say, look, you don't want to have a, you're right, there's no, no form for this in the Bible. But let me ask you this. Are you willing to submit to the elders of this church? And if they say no, then I say, well, that's a problem. If they say yes, I say, well, are you willing to say this publicly, that you're willing to submit to the elders of this church? And they say, yes. I say, okay, then that's all we're talking about. That's what church membership is. There's nothing more, nothing less. Uh, you know, I, I do think that there are churches that sort of add things into their covenant that are unhealthy things. You've got to commit to serve in this, in the nursery once a quarter, things like that are absolutely not biblical. Uh, but the acknowledgement of the relationship is what enables the discipline of the church to actually happen. And what I try to, to help people, and of course I've lived through this, I, I, I go to people and say, look, uh, if you don't understand that you may at some point be in need of the blessing of church discipline, then I don't think you really understand what a sinner you still are. This is for your protection. That's a language that's here in, in Hebrews as well. It's for your well-being. Uh, and so, well, let me give you a, a story. I, I had a, uh, uh, a family in a church that I had uh, serving as an elder at, and they uh, became increasingly unhappy, and they wanted to leave. And we said, well, look, uh, why don't we get together and let's talk about your concerns and, you know, maybe there's things we need to repent for, and maybe there's things that have been misunderstood, but let's have this conversation together. And they came and met with the elders, and they had a long list of complaints, and we went through every one of them uh, and talked about every one of them and reached on every one of them uh, a, a sense of agreement. 
But at the end of this long and difficult conversation, the, the folks said, well, you know, can we leave for the peace of our family? And the elder said, of course you can. All you need to do is find a true church, an evangelical church. It doesn't have to be just like us, but it does have to be a true church. Find a true church that you want to join and have them contact us and we'll we'll transfer your membership to them. And they said, well, can't we just get a like an open-ended letter today uh, so that and then when we when we find out where we want to go, then we'll join. And I said, well, no, you can't do that. They said, why not? I said, well, what happens if over the next six months as you're visiting this church and visiting that church and we've given you this letter and you, speaking to the dad, and you start uh, catting around on your wife? Who's going to discipline you? Because we've given up our authority and no one else has taken it up. What kind of shepherd opens the gate of his sheepfold and says, go ahead. I hope you find another shepherd somewhere someday. Hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. just, that's not how you do things. I, I don't, I want to see and recognize enough of the actual living unity of the evangelical church to have transferring be really easy. But I well, don't want that. That'd be nice if there was an app, if there was an app for that, you know, you know, so-and-so pastor, you know, so-and-so pastor could just like log in and be like, submit your, like your baptismal, your, your kids baptizing, all that stuff. And uh, you could just transfer it and, you know, well, yeah, there is an app for that. It's called email. It's, it's really not that complicated. Uh, you know, when I've, I've written letters of transfer saying these folks are members in good standing and we commend them to you and and uh, we're confident they'll be a blessing to you and you to them. That's that's it. That's all it takes. Not complicated, like I say. But, you know, one of the other things I think that's really related to this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, in the Reformed Church, I mean, there again, one can see this you can fall off either side of the horse on this, but historically it has been the case that the Reformed Church was never so open in its practice of communion that it didn't at least require of everyone that came forward that they were members in good standing of an evangelical church. That When I was growing up, that was the, the fencing of the table. This is for you if you are a member in good standing of an evangelical church, which is really just shorthand for if our elders were to meet and talk to you, uh, this is how we would be confident that you're a part of the kingdom because you're under authority in a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. And if that doesn't describe you, and in fact, again, I've done this, if that doesn't describe you, no matter how much I might feel like you're my brother, no matter how nice I might be to you, you can't come here. You can come and hear the gospel preached, but you can't come to this table. Right. And, and, and I, again, I, Sorry, go ahead. I'm just going to say, I, and I will tell them, look, you can't commune if you are immune from being excommunicated. <laughs> you can't right. commune if you're immune from being excommunicated. So, uh, right. 
get yourself under authority and we'll be and again trying to put people at ease we're not saying that you have to stay here forever we're not it's not the hotel california you can check out but you can never leave Uh, (laughs) but but you've got to we've all got to be under authority yeah, it's a very, very important issue, um, you know, especially with uh, the lack of a uh, respect of authority. Yeah. Um, you see it, you see it in the streets, you know, with all these protests and riots, you know, a disrespect for authority in general. Absolutely. Um, you know, going back to the NWA days and, you know, the, the, the yeah. lack of authority everywhere, a lack of authority, it, you know, it's, it's connected. A lack of authority to your parents, a lack yep. of authority to, 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 to cops, to your principals. Yep. You know, and then a lack of authority to even to the highest powerful position in the world. And then a lack of authority to God. Yep. You know, like it's, a, it's an authority issue. You know what I mean? It's an authority Absolutely issue. Absolutely right. Yeah, there, there's a, a, a and I would add to it again, a pride that says I don't need the blessings of these institutions that God has provided for me. Uh, you know, this is one of the reasons why I tell ple- people that they need to get out of uh, mainline liberal churches. Where I'll say something, I'll, I'll say, hey, you know, you're in a church where um, if your uh, father starts having a boyfriend, if your pastor starts having a boyfriend, uh, if the if the pastor starts dating one of the the male elders of the church, there's not going to be any discipline. So if you start having a heterosexual illegitimate relationship, do you think they're going to discipline you? And of course you're not. And what you're doing is you're putting your family at risk. The husband right. who says, "I don't trust those elders. I don't trust any elders." I don't trust anyone on the face of this earth that I can see and touch and taste besides me is the husband who's already uh, set up his family for a train wreck and who will have probably uh, rebellion of those who are supposed to be under him. Right. And, and, you know, he's going to start seeing his own authority and his kids not to, uh, you know, you know, disobeying him, he's gonna be like, "How come yep. they don't listen to me? How come yep. they don't obey me?" It's like, well, it's because you know you don't obey the church; they're they're not gonna obey you. You know, that's not a good exactly. example. You know. Yep. And going back to the communion thing, you know, there's a thing called closed communion, open communion, all those things. Um, what's it called a communal theology, or how they call it. Um, so. Which is a part of the church, because a lot of the yep. times when people talk about the church, they forgot to talk about the sacraments of the church, the bread and wine. And, you know, I, I actually went to this one church recently, and it was like, I noticed that it was like, it was a Calvinistic church. You know uh-huh. what I mean? They were not, they were not uh, fully Presbyterian, but they were just, you know, just, you know, on the foothills. And it was like, okay, you know. And then I noticed in, in, in the Lord's Supper, it was like anyone, anyone could take it. There was no warning, no explanation. It was just, you know, basic understanding, um, right. basic, basic, you know. And it was like, and I, you know, I, I felt a little concerned. And I was like, well, I, I talked to the pastor sincerely. And I said, how do you guys protect the Lord's table? And he's like, well. You know, if we know you personally, then obviously, and if you're in sin, if we, and if we know you personally, we'll tell you not to take it. But, 
anyone could take it. You know what I mean? Anyone right. can take yep. it. So, and I was like, okay, so if, uh, if some homeless guy comes in or anyone comes in and they could just sit in Sunday and then just take it. And I was, and he was like, yup. <laughs> and I was like, well, how do you know if he's not taking it in vain? You know what I mean? Right. How do you know, like, yes. how do you know, how can he discern the body? You know, like, it doesn't that concern you? And he's like, it doesn't concern me. The only thing that concerns me is the ecclesiastical peace of the church. Um, and I was like, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. And then he told me, how do you define pr- protecting like the table? Like, how do you, how do you know that? And I was like, well, you know, you got a session, you got deacons, you got people, you got relationships happening to so you. You would get to know your flock eventually. Right. And he was like, well, you know, that, that sounds like Catholic stuff. You know, you don't want to get involved <laughs> in people's lives. <laughs> And I, yeah. I was shocked. You know I was shocked. That's a Catholic thing to get involved in people's lives. That's interesting to know. Uh, right. Wow. I was like, I was like, you know, Richard Baxter in the Reformed Pastor in the Reformed Pastor book encourages yes. young pastors to visit his flock. And I, I didn't get into that, but I was like, hmm. <laughs> and I was like, well, John Calvin visited a lot of people, and I was like, okay. I don't know how he would have responded to this, but I'm pretty sure it would, you know, he probably would have not been totally pleased with that. Um, you know, so what would you say to a, to a young pastor out there who says, you know, it's not up to me to get involved into people's lives and to, def- you know, to let, you know, to defense the defense, the table. Right. That's like Catholic. Cause that's Catholic stuff. Well, I would basically say this one, I take them to this same text that uh, we looked at in Hebrews chapter 13. Secondly, I would remind them that it is the calling of the elders to protect and to guard the sheep. We're under shepherds, under Christ. And one thing we know about shepherds is that shepherds don't uh, allow uh, wolves into the sheepfold. And so it requires of us that we pay attention, that we get engaged in each other's lives, that, that, that really what he's describing uh, is precisely what the scripture calls being a hireling. You can't love people and serve people under the model of the great shepherd of the sheep when you are distant from them and don't know them. Perfect. It's like yeah. how how can you how, how can you love Jesus and then hate his bride? Right. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. So um I like the last question here, or should I say last concept? Let's try to flesh this out. The concept of, you know, I'm a part of the church universal. Does that yeah. make you a member of the church? No. And that yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I like to Again, this is a little bit uh, harsh and crass and not what I would actually say face-to-face talking to such a person, but I'm tempted to, and that's this. I'll tell you what, if you want to be a member of the Invisible Church, that's fine with me. I'll give you invisible bread and invisible wine. Yeah, because because they're 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 invisible members. It's like we yes. don't see you. You know, how, how do we know who you are? Right, and and how do I? And I'll I'll minister to you invisibly. I will uh, guard your spirit invisibly. It, it, it's an absolute, utter, cop out to uh, claim membership in the invisible church. And again, the text 
here in Hebrews is abundantly clear. It just doesn't work. You can't do it that way. Uh, and, and you can't be a member of invisible church. Then you've got invisible elders. You've got invisible uh, oaths, invisible responsibilities. Everything becomes invisible. And that's not what God calls us to. He calls, I mean, again, we do recognize, and I'm not suggesting that elders are perfect. And a lot of the folks that that take this stand have the view that, well, I've been burned in the church. I've been hurt by the church. The church has done this to me and that to me. And I don't dispute that for a moment. But I also know this. I've been hurt in the church. I've been hurt by lots of people in the church. But I also know that there's no one more dangerous to me than me. And uh, I don't think that I'm unusual in that. And so, again, you know, I don't want invisible cops. I don't want invisible government. I don't want invisible parents. I want visibility in everything that I'm doing. I want to be able to be and see and touch the body of Christ here on earth. Right, because isn't that what the local church is, like a visible yes. representation of the invisible universal church? Absolutely you know, right, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, right, because uh, that, that's how I thought about it. I'm like, maybe these people just don't understand um, what it really means to be part of the local church, because they don't understand the difference between universal, invisible, visible church, and all that. Yeah. Um, so, yep. Um, so, <laughs> when you know, another concept, people have authority, right? A problem with authority. Um, back to the Belgics. People have a problem with the Belgic, for example, and, and they say, you know what? Article 28 doesn't mean anything to me because it's a Belgic confession. It, it, you know, like, w- what is that to me? Like, why should I even pay attention to a confession? Right. What would yep. be the response for that? Well, I would remind people that uh, do they need to believe that Jesus is God? And how do they know this? And this goes back to uh, ancient creeds that uh, the church historically has uh, affirmed a set of ideas that the, what unifies us actually, despite the language of the modern church, we're actually united by our shared faith. And that's what these confessions and creeds do. They express that shared faith. And it began in the Old, well, in the Old Testament, but in the church context in the New Testament. Uh, the, the Bible, the, the first century church had as its first creed, Jesus is Lord. And people went to their deaths over this because Caesar insisted that he was Lord. And so if if you can't look at the whole of the church and say, I'm a part of this, if you think the church began when you got into it, that's a problem. It's a Lone Ranger, uh, ahistorical, anabaptistic, serious problem. And again, I I think part of our, a huge part of this is the fact that we have done everything we can to construct worship services that communicate this all started last week. You know, when, when a, when a church stands up and uh, recites or sings the apostles creed or, or sings the Psalm 100 together, this is the Psalm 100 is a song it was the song that our fathers sang when the Mayflower uh, was anchored in the bay there at the very beginning. But it's older than that. It goes all the way back into the Middle Ages. It goes all the way back into the early church. And it goes back before that. It goes all the way back to David. 
that God's people sang this song. The, 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 the Christian church is a river that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And if you want to have your own tributary, you're not in the river. Which is why, again, the, uh, the, the confession says that uh, there's no salvation apart from the church. This is the bride of Christ. You can't say, I'm committed to Jesus, but I'm not committed to his church. I love Jesus, but I hate those he loves. Or I've been hurt by them, and I won't be under the authority. They're just, it doesn't add up. It, and it, it is a difficult thing because, frankly, it's really not uh, ideological. It's temperamental. That is, it, it's not just a, a wrong idea that you can get out a Bible and, and write down a couple verses and, and string together a couple syllogisms, and they'll wake up and see it. It's really a an internal prideful spirit that says, I will not have anyone rule over me. Amen. Um, and, you know, the fear of God comes upon me when I think about those things. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I apply those things to myself because, you know, I'm a sinner and I was born a sinner. And, yep. and I, it's like, you know, I have those things in myself as well to, you know, to hate authority, not to submit, to rebel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what would you say to those churches that are pretty decent churches and then, but they don't really offer membership or they're not really, you know, open about it. They're, they're say, you know, what, what would, what would be your uh, primary saying against that? Oh, well, I, again, I, I would take them to the exact same text in Hebrews 13, 17 and say to those in positions of leadership in such a church, who are the people that you're going to answer for? If you don't know their names, that's a problem. If you do know their names, do they know that they're, you're going to answer for them? And if so, then suddenly you actually have a role. You have a list of people who are members of the church. And you need to teach them why this is in the Bible and why it matters. We're, we're so desperately afraid. We've embraced a view of the church that we are a business out there trying to secure customers. That, yeah. we, that we've made it a buyer's market. And we're afraid to drive a, people away that we want to have in there. And really, mostly, I think, because we want them to be giving. Uh, and that, again, is the classic uh, definition of precisely what a hireling is. I, you know, I don't, again, I, I've said it before in our conversation, when I'm talking to people who are actually saying these kinds of things, I'm, I'm going to be, I hope, gentle and quiet and gracious and all of that. Uh but also still direct. And, and uh, I just, I, I think there's a, ironically, and maybe this would be a good answer to the one who uh, makes that, uh, uh, what do you call, um, Roman Catholic claim. Now, what, what defines the Roman Catholics is they're embracing a tradition. And this is precisely what you're doing. You're embracing a tradition that says, oh, we don't do this. And, and probably, too, the last thing I would want to say, is I, I'm, I would take them to the issue of discipline. How in the world are you going to discipline someone if they're not a member of your church? And how in the world 
do you think you can minister to the souls of people that your elders cannot discipline? Do you just, not love? They'll just print a. They will just uh, print a picture of your face and then tell the ushers not to let you in. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah. if you see this guy, if you yeah. see this guy in the, in the Hawaiian shirt, don't let him in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is a staggering thing. And uh, again, I'm, I'm really glad that this is important to you and it is important to me as well. Amen. Amen. So real quick, tell people um, where they can find you and if you have any new projects out there and how to find those and maybe right. um, a, quick, a quick update on if you have any books or anything coming out. Uh, well, I don't have any books coming out uh, that haven't been out for at least a little while. My latest book is called Call Me Barabbas. It's a uh, sort of spiritual biography of me and a dear friend uh, who was a um, informant for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and also a career criminal. So we're, the idea in this book is uh, we're, we're demonstrating our universal need for the grace of God. I had every advantage. I was in, in the kingdom and I still had spectacular sins and needed God's grace. This guy, uh, you know, grew up a criminal and also needs God's grace. We're all in this together. That's the gist of that book. Call me Barabbas. You can get it or find out anything else that's going on at my website, RC, that's R, the letter R, the letter C, Sproul, S-P-R-O-U-L-J-R.com, RC, Sproul, J-R.com. I put out a daily uh, blog piece. I put out a daily podcast called Jesus Changes Everything, which is available at all the usual places. Uh, and also, I would really encourage people to check out uh, another website, Shep.college, which is the website for the Shepherd's College, which we just started on Monday, where we're trying to take a more biblical approach for preparing men for gospel ministry, a more discipleship approach, character building, Shep, S-H-E-P dot college. Uh, check that out and uh, let us know if you would have an interest in being a part of it. Amen. Amen. I can't wait to uh, listen to uh, check out that book. Um, I do enjoy your podcast. It's, um, it's, it's a good thing. I like it. Um, I recommend people check it out. But anyways, you know where to find me. Um, Dr. Sproul, thank you so much for your time and your ministry. May God bless you. And let's go ahead and, you know, charge the gates of hell because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good day. All right. You too. Thank you for listening to the bible theory don't forget to share this with your homies and subscribe to bible theory on iHeartRadio, spotify itunes amazon music and follow on twitter at the chicano knox